Hello, party people, and welcome to You Scared of This, the weekly podcast in which two grown men watch every single episode of Nickelodeon's classic TV horror anthology show from the new millennium, Are You Afraid of the Dark? And ask ourselves that fateful question. Eli, do you still find this scary? That's not the question. guess <laughs> how long have we been doing this? Too long. <laughs> That's true. You folks thought we wouldn't make it this far, but looks like we made it. Screw all ya. I guess, <laughs> what's it, what would it take for me to get a tuba version of Looks Like We Made It? <laughs> <laughs> I think I can make that happen right now. <laughs> no, 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 no. Save it for the, save it for the final Freddy's. <laughs> all right, all right. I'm going to make a list of song requests for the final Freddy's, and it's going to be Looks Like We Made It on tuba. Final countdown on tuba, and uh, I'll think of some more. Tune in next week to find out what else I've thought of. Oh, God. <laughs> this is You Scared of This, a podcast where we review Are You Afraid of the Dark? I am David Dykus, joined by my best friend, Eli Phillips. Hello, party people. And Eli, this week we're reviewing The Tale of the Reanimator. Are you excited? I'm excited. I always meant to watch Reanimator. I'm a fan of Lovecraft's writing. Not his racism. Yeah, no, you can't be a fan of of one and not the other. <laughs> it's like I can't. I'm not allowed to enjoy the Cosby Show anymore, so I'm not allowed to enjoy Reanimator. Right. Also, the idea of someone being a fan of his racism but not his writing is well. <laughs> that H.P. Lovecraft was a stellar racist. Not such a fan of that weirdo science fiction stuff. Anyway, we're talking about Reanimator. Before we get to that. Well, we should know. We're not actually talking about Reanimator. No, we're talking no, no, about, no, we're the, talking tale about the, the, the tale of the Reanimator from the seventh season of Are You Afraid of the Dark? <laughs> before we get to that, before we get into the episode stats and all that, last week uh, we want to again thank Jose Prendes for joining us uh, on the show to talk about the tale of Highway 13. Uh, while he was yeah. on there, we we neglected to mention some Nickelodeon nostalgia news that took place over the past couple weeks. Do we want to hit that really quickly before we get going? I think we can... Uh swing on over to the news desk real quick <laughs> all right here we are at the news desk hold on haven't used this in a week let me dust it off <sighs> here we go news desk is clean oh and what's this on the news desk under stacks of dust like i'm in the basement of a library why it's the return of double dare double dare yes we posted it on facebook but we've neglected to mention it on the show the next nostalgia property nickelodeon is bringing back is none other than double dare Coming back this summer, actually. Very, very quickly. I guess you don't need a lot of build-up. It's not like they're doing, like, pre-production for Double Dare. Yeah, this is not Double Dare the Jungle Movie. Uh, it says... <laughs> what would that look like? <laughs> would that just be uh, Legends of the Hidden Temple as a show? Yeah, I guess so. I guess you're right. <laughs> They've already done that movie. Uh, yeah. This is... I'm looking at Variety's article here. This is reported in a bunch of places. Uh, it says it's bringing back Double Dare summer of 2018... Uh, no word yet on who's going to host the show or if there are going to be any major changes to the format. Uh, but it's going to have 40 new episodes. So if you were a fan of Double Dare, which I kind of was, I'd watch it if it was on, uh, definitely tune in for that. I, You know what? I will actually probably watch a couple episodes of this. If, if the giant nose is not there, then it's not a true Double Dare revival. Right, yeah. I think that you have to have stuff like that, but... I'm sure there will be new games and things. I'm just excited to kind of see what it looks like. Maybe, I lo- Listen, I'm embarrassed to say this. I love Nickelodeon's style on the splat. Like the 
it's nostalgia but with a good graphic design yeah i really enjoyed that so i will probably enjoy watching at least like an episode of this show if i have the means to watch it i'll check it out too what other nickelodeon nostalgia news do we have on the uh on the ticker Speaking of reboots, they have cast uh, Steve for Blue's Clues, and it is not our favorite person to mention on every episode of the podcast, John Cena! It's uh, someone else. Uh, missed opportunity. And, you know, Cena's single now. He has nothing else going on. They might as well have cast him. Uh, who? What if he's just like the mailbox? <laughs> I, I don't want to hear John Cena do the, the mail song. Um, <laughs> if it was, I imagine if it's John Cena, he'd be... Well, no, that's stupid. I'm not going to... I was, gonna, I was trying to make a joke about the mailbox, M-A-L-E. <laughs> That's gross. Because <laughs> he's so masculine, you see. Uh, no, who's the host of Blue's Clues now? The new host of Blue's Clues is an Atlanta comedian named Yadoye Travis. He has some stand-up work that you can, you know, if you don't know who he is, you can actually look up a bunch of his stuff on YouTube. He's there. He seems like a fun guy. I think it's a good sort of match for the Steve energy. Is there any other nude business we need to cover before we get uh, going? Very briefly, we can we can acknowledge the fact that uh, Danny Tamborelli got married. Oh, congratulations, Danny Tamborelli! Congratulations, Danny Tamborelli! Yeah. Did he marry Petunia? He didn't. Uh, but his uh, his his big Pete was at the wedding, oh. and there are some. Some sweet pictures of them and other members of the uh, of the crew together, like like directors and and cast members and stuff. That's came to the wedding, so that's really cool. That's great. Congratulations, little Pete. Yeah, it looks like he even played at his own wedding, like <laughs> his band. Like rather than getting a band, <laughs> I mean, you might as well save money. <laughs> yeah, very very economical of you, Pete. All right, well, that's plenty of nude business. I think that makes up for the absence of Nick News of the past couple weeks, why don't you and I get on to the tale of the reanimator? The tale of the reanimator is the seventh episode of season seven. It is the 85th episode of Are You Afraid of the Dark overall, and that puts it at the 20th episode of The New Batch? I I will choose to believe you. Yeah, the 20th episode, assuming you consider all three episodes of Silver Sight to be separate. Yes. Uh, this one is directed by, once again, returning director Adam Weissman, and is was written by Kenny Davis. I believe this is Kenny's only episode. This one first aired April 30th in the year 2000. Yep, and this is going to be the final Quinn story. Oh my gosh. I feel like we've known him for a lifetime, but this is it. At least he'll still be with us. He's not like leaving. I get I get some time before I have to say goodbye. No, save your goodbyes for next week. So we begin with Vange literally poking a hornet's nest. Yeah, what is the point of this? There is no point to this. Vange, because she's just so quirky, wanders up to a hornet's nest outside the campfire and starts poking it with stick. She says she's never seen yeah. it up close. This scares everyone off to the campfire. Quinn introduces his story and says that it is also about messing with things that shouldn't be messed with, like life and death. So, way to go, Quinn, for pulling a very tenuous connection out of your ass on this one. I guess it should be noted that Vange also is... knocks the hornet's nest down to the ground, and she runs away as well, so that thread is left dangling. Quinn starts his story and throws on the dust, and we begin the tale of the reanimator. And we meet our main young protagonist, whose name is Julie. And unlike last week, uh, our hero actually looks like she's young enough to be a young protagonist. Julie is played by Emma Taylor Isherwood, 
who you might remember as the girl whose underwear disappeared in the tale of Oblivion. Julie, the character, works at a plant store? What would you call this place? A florist? It's not really a florist because they sell, like, trees and stuff, too. So, yeah, a a garden store, a a greenhouse. She works there with her boss, Mr. Doyle, who, from the moment we lay eyes on him, is definitely a mad scientist. (laughs) He's definitely a mad scientist. He wears, like, a lab coat and boots. He kind of has a Rick Moranis vibe. Yeah, he looks completely strung out the entire time. Mr. Doyle walks in. He's tracking this blue ooze behind him as he... Uh, marches to the back room. Uh, Julie follows her boss and watches as he brings a dead plant back to life using a bright blue fluid. Yeah, he's in a messy back room that is guarded by lasers. He has a tripwire laser thing in this back office, and we keep seeing Julie almost bump into it. And she's, like, peeking through the windows and peeking from around the door, and she watches him resurrect a plant in the most mad scientist way possible. And while all of this is happening, her brother and his best friend have come into the shop to, to find her. Yeah, as Mr. Doyle is conducting his mad science, Julie is interrupted by her D-bag older brother, Peter, and his friend, Jake. The snake. <laughs> Jake, this kid Jake looks like he's on his way to audition for a spot in Dream Street. He is the most <laughs> 2000s era male douchebag I think we've seen so far. Frosted tipped hair. He looks... He's definitely trying to be like the sixth backstreet boy so i looked up uh i looked up those kids as well a the guy who plays jake was on goosebumps of course he was of course he was and b he was an animator on the animated little prince movie that came out a few years ago oh huh wouldn't have expected that so uh fun connection there moving on uh, Julie races up to tell the guys what she saw, but since it's apparently April 1st, they dismiss this as a lame April Fool's joke, and they they really give her a lot of shit for it. No, no, I've, that is the weakest April Fool's joke I have ever heard. That is so lame, I thought there's no way that could be an April Fool's joke. That's how bad it was. Also, it turns out the brother has mercilessly decapitated Julie's bonsai tree with a knife. I have to imagine this was one of those cartoon situations where someone is, like, slowly trimming away a bonsai, and then they just get carried away until it's a stump. But they don't show any of that, so it just looks like he murders a bonsai. No, it it happens off camera. Later that night, when the store closes, Julie shuts things down. Uh, we get a long, spooky sequence of her wandering through the, the pitch-black garden shop as uh, there are noises and, and creaky sounds all around and scary shadows on the wall. This is a lot like what we saw in The Secret Admirer. Suddenly, she realizes there's someone else in the building. And that's when she's attacked by giant plant monsters! We get a scream, but not really a scream take here. Right. Like, it doesn't zoom in on her or anything. It's almost as though Adam Weissman didn't get the memo. I, I have that same note here. Uh, she screams and cowers and waits for death. Uh, but these two huge plant monsters reveal themselves to just be Peter and Jake wearing... Uh, Eli, what the fuck are they wearing here? They're wearing elaborate costumes. Like, when they left, they spent the rest of the day getting this shit ready. What is- it looks like they're- they've draped themselves in giant tarps covered in ivy. I wonder if maybe Mr. Doyle just had the skins of a few giant leaf monsters lying around from some earlier experiment. Anyway, they reveal themselves. This has all just been an elaborate revenge prank because they- Peter was so incensed at the idea of Julie trying to fool them on April Fool's Day. Yeah, she tried to prank them in their minds, and so they went ahead and did an overly elaborate prank in return, which is such a boy thing to do. 
Like, yeah, I guess so. When that when that moment happened, I was like, these guys are douchebags, and also that sounds like me. Like someone tries to prank me, or I convince myself someone tries to prank me, and I'm like, oh, I gotta get them back, and I go over the top. I mean, I turds. I wouldn't have minded having a uh, a pair of leaf monster costumes back in the day to scare people, but. After this, Julie decides to explore Mr. Doyle's secret lab, and she finds a really creepy shrine dedicated to the late Mrs. Doyle. Mr. Doyle returns to the lab, immediately discovers Julie snooping around, but he's cool with this. He explains what he's been doing. Yeah, he shows her the whole reanimator side of this. Uh, The plot of this episode is very, very much just a ripoff of reanimator. He is a mad scientist who is trying to reanimate things, trying to bring things back to life. And in this episode, it takes the form of he sprinkles his magic potion on dead plants and they grow CGI leaves. The leaves are not as bad as they could have been. It's like Batman and Robin level of special effects. For once in recorded history, that is actually a compliment and not a uh, <laughs> not derogatory. Uh, another thing to note about these plants, A, they grow overly wild. Like, one of them, when he demonstrates it for her, the plant grows leaves so strong that they they overtake things on the desk and, like, break glass bottles by squeezing it them. It reaches out and um, tries to grab the reanimating serum. So there's some, there's some hints that this is ominous. Another thing is, Julie, for some reason, decides to touch this plant and notices that it is covered in goo. That's right, and that gives us the best line in the history of the show. <laughs> What's the gooey stuff? Mm-hmm. Oh, it's a harmless byproduct. This, of course, scares her off. Uh, <laughs> Good. Julie, before she leaves... <laughs> be- yes, please leave, Julie. Uh, before she leaves, uh, the doctor demonstrates for Julie that he has uh, a reversing spray that basically just kills things. He has a spray that just kills things. Yeah, we see him walk off screen, and when he returns, he just douses the plant with some water. Julie asks Mr. Doyle if the ooze can revive anything other than plants. And Doyle cryptically dismisses her without answering the question. Uh, Julie, I guess, is feeling extra rebellious now, and she steals some of this life-giving elixir from Mr. Doyle's desk. I guess so she can prove to her asshole brother and his asshole friend that she wasn't kidding earlier. And then we cut to Doyle centrally stroking his late wife's headstone as we go to commercial. More physical, more challenging, more goose. Double Dare 2000. First you dare, then you double dare, then you triple dare. You race for the flags, crawling, climbing, squirming, and if you conquer the obstacle course, you are victorious. Double Dare 2000. Get messy. Every weekday at 5, 4 central. Double Dare is back, and this time we are really playing dirty. Only on Nickelodeon. RuPaul. RuPaul. When we come back from commercial, Julie has phoned the boys, and she's going to prove to them what's going on. I think she's kind of put all of the clues together in her head, and she believes that Mr. Doyle is going to use this reanimating serum on his dead wife. Don't we learn that it's only been, like, a few months since his wife died? They say that she died last year, but yeah, like, she, for anyone who has not, for anyone at home who has not put this together, she says out loud, I think Mr. Doyle is going to try to use this Lazarus serum on his wife. And sure enough, when they wander up to the local graveyard... Doyle is there with a shovel in his hand, ready to do the deed. The, the crazy thing about this is that older brother Peter, like a dumbass, still thinks that this is just an elaborate prank on him. So much for your April Fool's gag. It's not a gag. Like, 
he thinks that he thinks that this man whose wife definitely died is involved in a prank where he's pretending to bring his dead wife back. So Peter in his frustration steals the blue Lazarus fluid. They don't call it that, but I call it that. And threatens to dump it on a random grave in the graveyard. He looks around and finds the most obviously evil man in the cemetery. Somebody named Ian Kazix, whose epitaph just reads, May he be forgiven. <laughs> what did he do? Really? It's like, even assholes when they die, people try to say nice things about them. This guy was publicly a villain. Yeah, and if you're that evil, usually aren't you just buried in like an unmarked grave in the prison? Yeah, you don't. No one pays for you to have a stone that says "May he be forgiven." Somebody, so I paid money to like make sure everyone remembered that this guy was evil. But of course, Peter upends the bottle and dumps a bunch of this blue liquid on Mister Kazix's grave. Now I have a question about this. Shouldn't that just make the grass grow? Apparently, this stuff is so strong that it seeps all the way through. I mean, yes, you're right. It should make the grass grow. Uh, and it should create a few super-powered worms, I guess, between the top layer and yep. the the coffin. Uh, but it mm-hmm. seeps all the way through to the dead body uh, deep within the earth. Uh, cool Kid Jake finally shuts all these shenanigans down, and they go back home. So we go back to Peter and Julie's home, where the lights, for some reason, every light in the house is turned off. And the camera has started tilting, so you know some supernatural shit is afoot. We get a couple of weak sauce fake-outs where there are branches bumping against the window, all kinds of false alarms, but then we get the real deal. Julie sees a shadowy figure stalking her yard. And that's actually a scary shot. Like, when she's looking out the window and Scary Dude is there, I thought those were pretty creepy. But first! First, we have to make, and I know we haven't done one in a while, a random observation of crap in the background. What in the hell has she done to her computer? Yeah, the computer looks like it's branded as My Little Pony. Julie has a computer, as, you know, a lot of... Every kid in, by the year 2000 had their own computer, right? Except she has cut out a frame for hers out of, I guess, that purple craft foam? Her, her, her big, thick CRT monitor has a pink frame around it that is completely inexplicable. It makes it look like she's she's captured some big purple butterfly and mounted a monitor in its torso. It looks stupid. That's all. Uh, I hated this. I hated that too. Totally unnecessary, totally inexplicable. But yeah, we see a stranger in her yard. Jesse warns the guys they go out to investigate. Is it the pizza guy? No, it's a fucking zombie. It's a fucking zombie. It's Ian. It, it attacks Julie. When Peter goes out to see for himself, it attacks him too, giving us a big, beautiful mwah, scream take. Turn around and see. Ah! Ah! It's like it's it's a for real scream take this time because Peter turns to directly face the camera with his mouth at a perfect O. Why wasn't this the commercial break? Why couldn't they have paced the episode a little differently? At least we got there in the end. So finally, everyone is convinced that there is a zombie. They run away, the zombie attacks again from the trees! Uh, and it is apparently, Julie realizes that this zombie is after the blue liquid, because it anything that's brought back with the liquid becomes addicted to it. Yeah, like the plant did earlier. Did they? I thought they poured all the liquid out. Did she just have, how many vials of this did she steal? I don't think they poured all of it on the grave. I think he just dumped like a, like a splash of it on 
Just one for his homie. <laughs> exactly. Julia remembers that Doyle used water to kill the plant. She deduces that they need cold water to return this guy to corpse form. Uh, so they formulate a plan to spray the zombie with a hose. Uh, and apparently they have to go to Mr. Doyle's house slash business to do it. Yeah, I'm not clear on why the running around happens here. Did we skip the part? It was when he was in the tree that he dripped the ooze on, on Julie's nose, right? Oh, yeah, we get a really nasty scene when he's when he's hiding above them. The way they're tipped off to his presence is just a big blue glob of what looks like hair gel. Okay, okay so what are we going to do? Mr. Doyle, he'll know. What is that? It's the goo that... Yeah, I mean, the way that this scene was filmed is they just took, like, a pump bottle of soap and squirted soap until it fell on her nose. Did this remind you of the, uh, the Zach Galifianakis, Brian Poussein video, the mayonnaise thing? You done? Not quite. <laughs> it's like that. It's like that. So anyway, to make my earlier recap a bit shorter, they decide they need to go back to the plant store and spray the zombie with cold water. Which they do. Which they do. We get a a nominally tense scene where Jake fights to start the hose as the zombie closes in on the kids. It's kind of like a it's kind of like Bigfoot Ridge where the monster is approaching yeah. very slowly. One of the characters has to like smack something outside the house until it works. And you're just, like, waiting and holding on for that last moment. You're right. It, it is exactly like that. But they finally get the water running. Uh, they spray the zombie. Kudos to this actor playing the zombie for allowing himself to actually get sprayed with freezing water in what is definitely the middle of winter. Yeah, I mean, this is filmed in actual snow. It's really cold outside. Uh, and they just hose him. But it doesn't work. He pops right back up. The kids retreat to the lab and discover that Doyle's closet isn't a freezer like Julie thought. It's actually a hot box. Smoke weed every day. Good old Nate dog. In there. I don't get to use that one very much now, but... Yeah, that's why we gotta, gotta make that callback. I was excited about it. <laughs> Speaking of pouring one out for our homies. Uh, so yeah. Julie creates a brilliant plan where Peter uses himself as bait to lure the zombie into the hot box, and the other kids do nothing. <laughs> it turns out the zombified plants are all weak to heat. They're gonna close the door behind the zombie to trap him inside. Yeah, they're going to lock him and her brother in the hot box and bake the zombie and hope he doesn't kill their brother. I just want to make a point here. The zombie's not after them. The zombie doesn't give a fuck about these kids. So, oh yeah, they don't even, they don't need Peter in there. They can just put the vial of miracle growth fluid in there. Yeah, this zombie is not a regular zombie. He does not thirst for brains. He thirsts for the miracle growth stuff. And so, like, you don't need a human bait in this situation. It's completely silly. So are you saying that she only devised her plan this way to punish her brother? This is, we finally get it. This is the second episode since Dark Music, where we get to see someone trying to kill their sibling. <laughs> well, well, she gives it a shot. Yeah. Uh, really quickly, what happens here is they tell him he's going to be bait, and the zombie bursts in. They run out of the room, but when they do, they accidentally run through that dumbass fucking laser security that Mr. Doyle has set up. The most unrealistic part of this episode, an episode with a zombie. They run through the laser, and it locks the door behind them. So now they're trapped in the other room. So, older brother 
Peter is alone with the zombie coming towards him. He chickens out. He refuses to run towards the hotbox and instead tries to run to them. He opens the locked door, and in order to keep him from fleeing, they have put on the dumb April Fool's vine monster costumes, and they scare him back into the room, stupidly. So he's being like pushed back and forth between real and fake monsters until finally they corral him into the hotbox where the zombie follows. Yeah, the zombie goes inside. It immediately collapses once they lock the door behind it. It has been defeated. We see Mr. Doyle arrive, and when he does, they open the door to the hotbox, and oh my god damn! Yeah, this is a gross-ass, melted-ass corpse. The zombie has been reduced to a disgusting, brown, rotten skeleton in a suit. I think I'm gonna puke. Well, the important thing to remember here is that when he, when Mr. Doyle uh, reversed the process on the plants, they went back to exactly how they looked before he gave them the serum. Yeah. So, presumably, what we're seeing here is this body as it looked underground. Fucking sick. It's I, super gross. Like, the head falls off. Yeah, it's it's a, a shockingly graphic visual. Uh, Mr. Doyle realizes that what he's been doing is, I guess, against God's design. And swears that he's never going to do it again. We don't get the ending that I was hoping for, where it, he reveals he's already brought back his wife from the dead. And has to yeah. kill the kids before because they know too much. That does not happen. Even just, like, subtly hinting at that could have happened, and it would have been great. No, instead, uh, he resolves to stop his experiments, and the kids, the kids have some more banter, and they leave and go home. We cut back, everyone congratulates Quinn on a good story, and then, fucking wasps. Well, they say bees! Like, you hear a buzzing yeah. noise, and everyone's like, it's bees! Did you not forget that you... Ah, I thought we established it was a wasp's nest, but fuck it. Who cares? Who could possibly care at this point? Tucker puts out the fire, bees attack, everyone runs away. Funky-ass theme song. Funky-ass theme song. That was the tale of the reanimator. Eli, how did you like the tale of the reanimator? I liked the tale of the reanimator. I thought the kids all did a fine enough job. I thought that this is an episode where the Dutch angles and the extreme lighting and all of the stylistic choices really, really worked. Also, zombie, fucking scary. Like, he did a good job. In such a low-key show where the monsters are usually kind of goofy, this doesn't this just looked like a corpse. It just looked like a corpse. It was a dirty dude in a suit growling and chasing a bunch of kids in the night. I liked it. I I don't know if he looked like a corpse. Like, let's... I, I have in my notes here, let's talk about this zombie. Obviously, Nickelodeon isn't going to feature a gruesome, like, like a 28 Days Later style zombie. I would say even by Nickelodeon standards, this guy looks kind of low-rent. It looks like they just hired some, some, like, unwashed guy off the street and stuck him in, like, a Goodwill suit covered him in dirt and presented him as a zombie. Yeah, but that works. It works, but totally he's works. like like his his acting style is to just kind of flail his arms and go Ugh. It works, but it's just such a broad kind of generic portrayal of a zombie. I, I don't know. I still really like this episode though. I really enjoyed this one a lot. Yeah, I mean, this is not The Walking Dead. I think he tonally, his acting, uh, as you point out, which is kind of goofy, is probably the thing that keeps this episode from becoming too scary for kids. Yeah. 
Uh, But no, I like this one a lot. This reminded me of something from like the first couple of seasons of the show, especially since Mm -hmm. we got kind of a shocking demise for our our monster here. Like you said, I liked all the characters and the actors in this one. Uh, We had a great butthead, older sibling, sensible younger sibling dynamic, which is also reminiscent of early episodes. And most importantly, this episode took place almost entirely at night in pitch black darkness, which for me, that counts for a lot. Yeah, the daytime scenes were almost exclusively shot indoors. After last week's episode, that was all during the day. Uh, it, it was nice to get another a, a literally dark episode here. But Eli, I will go ahead and ask you our our question. Are you afraid of this episode? God damn it, Dykus. All right, you scared of this shit? <laughs> oh, you know how to turn things around, don't you? You said <laughs> shit. Ah. <laughs> But listen, I've been listening to the old episodes lately, and I miss saying shit. No, 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 I appreciated it. It really made up for the, are you scared of this episode fuckery <laughs> you were pulling. Yeah, yeah, this is a scary episode. You know what? I'll be generous. I'll say, yeah, sure. I mean, let's be honest. As an adult man, am I scared of this shit? Not really. Nah. But this is another one of those episodes where if I fell asleep watching it and I was dreaming that I was inside of it, I would be scared of this episode. There are episodes where that does not apply. There are episodes that are too silly or too goofy, aren't scary enough. This episode is about people being chased by a zombie that they brought back to life with a mad scientist serum. That would be scary in a movie for grown-ups. So, yeah, good job. Yeah, I'll give it a yes as well, just to make it unanimous. Good job, this was a lot of fun. Is this uh, Was this our first zombie episode? Other than the tale of uh, the Dead Man's Float? Uh, It depends on whether or not you count the tale of the Twisted Claw as a zombie episode. Oh, yeah. Well, I mean, the focus of that episode was not... You don't even see the alleged zombie in that episode. We know what the focus of that episode was. What was the focus of that episode? Bostic. What's going to give me something I've wanted since I was a kid? Bostic. (laughs) Ha! Ah, uh, all right. We have six episodes of the show left to review. And we've got one very important one next week. I actually already started watching this one. I had to, I, I fell asleep oh. in it, but uh, I'm halfway through this one. And I'm very happy to say that next week we'll be watching The Tale of the Time Trap. Yes, The Tale of the Time Trap, which is going to be a Tucker story, and is going to feature the two most important recurring guest characters in Are You Afraid of the Dark History. Get the tissues ready, because we're going to have to say some tearful goodbyes next week. So, we will see you next week for that. Until then, you can, of course, find us on Facebook, facebook.com slash youscaredofthis, Twitter, at youscaredofthis. Our entire back catalog is still on SoundCloud, soundcloud.com slash youscaredofthis. And don't forget to subscribe, leave a review, all of that on Apple Podcast or whatever the new Google thing is that they have. I hear there's a new one. Uh, and something I just want to note really quickly, we've had a couple of new people joining the Facebook group in the last few weeks. It's nice to see the Facebook group grow, even as we're inching closer and closer to the very, very end. So thank you to everyone who's joined us recently. We appreciate it. Of course, they might not be listening to the episodes as they come out. They might be listening to them from the beginning, in which case they will not hear this. <laughs> They'll hear it eventually. 
Hopefully. Someday. Someday they'll be like, hey, that was me. All right. Well, let's let's wrap this up in a bow then. We'll see everyone next yep. week for the tale of the time trap. Until then, I hereby declare that. Oh, oh, oh. I, David, will declare this episode of Are We Afraid of the Show closed. God damn it. Is that everything? Oh, and please, uh, subs- Gross. <laughs> <laughs>